Greetings, dear, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Working Experience, a very warm, open-arm audio embrace and a squeeze. This episode is brought to you by my company, One Circle Media. One Circle Media is a hybrid digital agency and media content creator. We create and design apps, websites, videos, social media content, and physical products. We are artists, directors, designers, producers, coders, editors, thinkers, makers, and creators who embrace story and creativity from design, web and app development, animation, docs, features, TV shows, digital and social media content to physical products. For our clients, we create content that builds networks and audiences across multiple platforms. Check out our work at OneCircleDigital.com and OneCircleBrand.com. If you work for a network, studio, brand, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain, reach out to me at John at OneCircleMedia.com. I'd love to hear from you. This episode is also brought to you by an app that I created called Still Believe. Still Believe transforms a picture in your home into video proof of your child's favorite magical characters. With the app, parents can catch the magic of the tooth fairy, leaving money under their children's pillow or Santa delivering presents on Christmas Eve in their home. You download the app, take a picture, and we create the magic. We utilize feature film visual effects artists to transform your picture into video. Just tell your kids that you have a special app that can detect and capture the tooth fairy then present them with the video proof in the morning. The look on their faces is priceless. Your Still Believe video is created in minutes, and you can then save it to your phone and share it on social media. The app is available for the iPhone and Android, and it's free to download. Our aim is to bring joy and wonder into the hearts of children around the world. Check it out at stillbelieve.co. Thanks, everyone, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Working Experience. The working experience. Route 93 North is almost at a standstill. It's a rough one out there this morning. Snow and sleet. There is no service on Stand the- clear of the closing doors, please. Uh, yeah, folks, we're going to be a few minutes. We have train traffic ahead of us. We should be moving shortly. John, we need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? And HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. To stay late, Bob. Teamwork makes the dream work. They're moving in a different and after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Who ate my Where are my hot pockets? This microwave is disgusting. Oh, God, what's that? He was wow. moving his Sexual toenails at his desk. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. I can't. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Working Experience Podcast. It's Maddie Kay. And John, welcome everyone. We appreciate you. Was it tuning in? It's not really tuning in. They're like streaming it, right? Yes, streaming in. I streaming in does. I like tuning in. I'm old school. Yeah. Hey. Well, we ever... appreciate you listening to this podcast. Speaking of old school, uh, I think it was Ellen DeGeneres has a show, right? She has a talk show. She does. Yeah, and um, she actually had this kid on trying to use a rotary phone. The seventeen. Yeah. I... I saw that bit on social media. She's it's like part of her thing and she also had a uh, like a millennial try to use a typewriter. And the the one with the rotary phone, if you haven't seen this clip, it's hilarious. I mean, it's like 
to me, who grew up with rotary phones, I'm like, how do you not know how to do this? And then well, the I best thought, is like, you know, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, but then I thought, I haven't used a rotary phone in I don't know how long. I, it would probably take me a, a, like a minute to remember how to how to do it. You know what I mean? But yeah, it was yeah. But funny. the the best was that she, the the millennial it was a girl. She must have been like in her early twenties. She started dialing with the receiver still on the hook. <laughs> And then she got through all the numbers and picked up and said hello. That was the funniest part. I she also had a girl on trying to load a film camera. Now I I still have a film camera, and they are hard to load. I didn't think that one was very fair because even if you're familiar with it, it's it's yeah. Hard no, to that's load. that's unfair. That one's it, I've done that too. That it is hard to load. Yeah, but the the rotary phone was great. Um, so. Uh, here's a fun fact to get into our, uh, our topic today, Google, the company Google, and I want this job. I would be, I would excel at this job. They have a CHO, a CHO is a chief happiness officer. Oh, (laughs) that you should, what you should do, Matt, is you should apply for that. Oh, and then just be be like, oh, the position's not open. You're like, I don't care. I'm better than so and so. Whoever you have in that position, and then just do a cheer, just do some cheer. (laughs) Cha cha buchi, cha cha buchi. I'd be standing up in front of all the Google employees going, roll call. Roll call, <laughs> and they're all like, "We have to." You know uh, that that is a that is a movie or a series onto itself. That premise, Chief Happiness Officer. There's your title for the series right there, Chief Happiness Officer. Well, the, the whole the, the 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 funny thing is, and this is what we'll get into this the podcast, the subject for our podcast, and it is the subject of it is happiness. Is for someone to try and i use the word try with strong emphasis to make you happy is so oxymoronic it's not even funny like like ah let's go cheer let's go cheer up matt like (laughs) you happiness like being happy which is not a prerequisite to like a, a fantastic life which is a big misnomer in society but happiness is a decision that you make like it is not if you're attaching your happiness to external circumstances, good luck, my friend. Good luck in this life. Well, it for one thing, uh, there's also a very legitimate time to not be happy, to be sad, to be anxious. Right, like 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 if your um, sibling died yes. or if your parents died. Right, that's not a time to be. Uh, Super happy. I mean, you could be maybe, you know, depending on your religious background and your beliefs, maybe you believe that that person went to heaven and then you're happy that they're in a better place, right? You believe in the afterlife, but you're still going to mourn the loss of that person, right? If guaranteed, if you try to put on a smile, somewhere down the road, there's going to be a massive breakdown. Well, this is disturbing because it is endorsed by the uh, the American Psychological Association in, in its revised uh, fifth edition of Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. 
says that so any bereaved person grieving longer than two months might be considered to have a mental illness requiring medical treatment for example antidepressants such as wellburn really this is the american psychological association and i i have to wonder if the makers of wellburn had a hand in this oh i'm sure they did in that little study I mean, it's just like, again, it's like another pill to help you get over the loss of a loved one. Time. I mean, that's ridiculous. You know, time, you you get, you you have to grieve, you have to go through a process. Who said two months? Where did they come up with two two months? months. I mean, look, it's, it's time, right? So when it initially happens, you are, you know, distraught with grief. And then it will eventually fade away now that's not to say that three months or four months down the line you're at uh you know a subway shop and your father loves salami sandwiches right it reminds you of salami sandwiches and then you you get you get sad what what does that mean you got to go out and get this stupid pill because you you had a reflection upon your father it's ridiculous well i would i would say uh, you know, because I lost my dad in 2014. And initially, you're dealing with funeral, family. You know, and that that's there for a purpose, I think, to kind of keep your you distracted. You know, you're doing the wake and making the funeral arrangements and things like that. It is like two months later that, yeah, all of a sudden you're like, wow, you know, like, this is it. Like, this is permanent. And right. it doesn't go away. You, you incorporate it into your life. And as you said, sometimes it's like, yeah, we used to go skiing together and, you know, kind of makes you nostalgic. A little, I wouldn't say depressed, but you can get a little sad over it. But it's also mixed with joy, you know, because you remember those good times. It, right. You don't really get over it. I mean, you, you hopefully you learn to deal with it and it doesn't cripple you. And everybody has different reactions. But to say two months, oh, you're not over it. Here's your pill. And like, yeah, and it's a very natural emotion, grief. Yes. yes, it's it's yes. very natural to. In fact, if you had zero emotion about it, yeah. then you would be labeled a psychopath. Well, what if you just don't get a job that you went for, and you feel disappointed about that, and you're like, oh. or you get let go from a job, and you're like, man, that sucks. Uh, you know, it, it's hard to take sometimes. You got to process it, and then you know you got to deal with it and move on, but. You can't just, like, constantly put this big grin on your face like everything's great because sometimes everything isn't great. You know, that that's life, part of life. In fact, the people who are constantly wearing that smile, I am very dubious of. I don't, whatever, whatever Kool-Aid they're drinking, I don't want any of it. In Japan, I heard this on a documentary years ago, but it was called The Smiling Disease, that... People who were constantly smiling, it was a sign of deep depression that they were masking. And Oh, absolutely. You know, as opposed to just being able to say like, yeah, I'm pissed or I don't like this or I'm disappointed or, you know, I mean, you can't, some people go through life like that. It doesn't matter if you handed them $5 million and said, look, you're all, you're okay for the rest of your life. You know, you know, all your bills, not, they'd still find something to be miserable about. Oh, if you're happy all the time like all the time, you'll eventually get sick of being happy. Uh, yes. Well, it, it won't be happy anymore I mean, because you just like that all the time. Um, but with this, this article... Because when, when you get sad, you then appreciate 
the points in your life that are like like you said with your father you would get sad that you would remember the times that you would ski or you would go to the ski resort get sad because he wasn't there but then you would remember the times that you did ski in the past and those were happy memories yeah yeah well this article um you know talks about how the the definition of happiness has evolved over since like the 14th century and it used to simply mean a lack of physical or mental pain like that, you know, you're, you're happy. It wasn't really something to pursue. It was uh, a natural state, like, you know, sadness or depression or whatever. Sometimes you're happy, you know. And, but now it's become this thing, especially with social media, that you know, the, this article talks about people who travel all the time and they're constantly posting pictures of themselves having this amazing time. And it's like, that's not, that's very empty after a while. Like you're just, they call it uh, performing happiness. You're just performing. Oh, I, I like that. <laughs> I like that. Performing <laughs> happiness. Performing happiness. That's right. It's it's just like, uh, you know what this reminds me of? In the, probably the 90s on Saturday Night Live, they had this woman come on. She was one of the cast members. I can't remember who it was. And she was a joyologist. <laughs> it was so funny. It was just this manic, like, she was an absolute idiot. And it was sort of like, remember Al Franken used to do Stuart Smalley? Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm good enough, I'm smart enough. Yes, yes, Gosh, brilliant. Darn brilliant it. character. People like me. Well, the article goes into this experiment that happened in the 1920s where this... Uh, this guy was employed by Johns Hopkins, and they did a thing where they paid a woman a dollar a day to perform an experiment on her kid to make the kid afraid of something specific. So they showed the kid a rat, and then they started making this horrible noise. The kid was like one year old. I mean, you never do it. It was totally unethical and all that. And they condi- Wait, how much did they pay her? A dollar a day. Oh, my God. Well, this is 1920s, so, you know. Uh, so, I mean, so what is that like? 10 bucks a day yeah, or 20 whatever, or 50 yeah. i mean yeah. jesus selling out the this your kid to become a psychopath well i mean the doctor should have known better he was and johns hopkins should have known better but uh basically it was about conditioning you know like pavlovian conditioning the dog drools when you ring the bell and then this guy this guy was fired from johns hopkins for having an affair then he went to work surprise surprise in the advertising industry which he said he blatantly said this is exactly the same thing we're just conditioning people that and it's morphed over a long time and i'm not sure they thought of this consciously but it was basically to condition people that your happiness is based on either buying things or like having these amazing experiences and and then your happiness is just constantly linked to that but much like the the hamster on the treadmill, you can never get anywhere with that. Like it just never. You, you can't. No, it's the same it. thing with social media and with likes and views. It's it's a you're again you're pinning your happiness on an externality when it's when it should be a decision. Like, have you read um, Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning? No. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> Call yourself a man. <laughs> Uh, oh Matt, you have to, you have to get that book and read it. Is there a five minute YouTube condensed? Video <laughs> yes, there is. I'm sure That's... there's a the clip. No, but you should read the book. 
it was um, so Viktor Frankl was in the uh, Nazi Germany uh, World War II in the the concentration camps, and it it was basically about his search for meaning and how you know under unbearable circumstances he still was able to find the good or the happiness or the meaning in life. And he could tell when, you know, his friends and family and fellow concentration camp uh, prisoners would give up hope. He would see it in their eyes. And once they gave up hope, they were dead. They were, they were dead before they were dead. It's a brilliant book. Yeah, I'll have to read that. It's on Victor Frankl. Right. But it, so it goes back to the point where he made a decision you know, prior to externalities, right? Prior, before reality, he made a decision no matter what. Okay, we're going we're gonna to go out and we're going to, you know, break rocks for 15 hours in 20 degree weather. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find the beauty in that. I'm going to find the meaning in that as opposed to all you know before you even go out there just the the negative emotions and and this is not easy by any stretch of the imagination and it's also not easy to you know in your life if things are happening to you that are you know very negative uh, to be quote unquote happy in those moments or to see the good in those moments and sometimes it doesn't even necessarily mean that you should be happy in it but you shouldn't give up hope well, yeah, and I mean, if you uh, kind of watered down his experience to somebody who, you know, works at a job they don't like or whatever it is, I mean, I, well, I think a lot of the, um, uh, what has been left out of the modern definition is appreciation. Like, I appreciate the fact that, like, right now I'm in a home, I'm not out in the streets, I have enough to eat. But that, again, like it's through advertising, like that's not enough. Like the fact that you have a, a decent place to live and enough to eat and enough money to pay your bills, that's not enough. Like you're not going to be happy. No, you need the Louis Vuitton bag. You need the, the, uh, the I was trying to say like a Michael Kors shoes. I don't even know an expensive pair of shoes. But you need, you, you need the Porsche. You need the Mercedes yeah. because you're then better than somebody else and ergo happier well and as you said those are just ex externalities it's like uh, me being better than someone else is depending upon something outside of myself that i really have very little control over and, and, and these are very like you know in some parts of the world many parts of the world maybe the majority of the parts of the world people are grateful if they get enough to eat that day and if they're absolutely if they're still alive and this yeah, is gratitude, appreciation, right? That, that, that doesn't sell washer and dryers no. and cars. No. So, but it is an immensely important life lesson to really kind of step back and, and take perspective of how, you know, religious, how blessed you are, how lucky you are to, like you said, not be on the streets. Like, life can get, can be very, very hard, even in, in this country, not just in other parts of the world. And just be grateful and thankful that you're, you know, you're, you have shelter, right? You have uh, clothes on your back. You, you have enough to eat. 
you're surrounded by family and friends. You know, you're not, um, you know, in this country, you know, your your freedom, right? Your freedom of speech, your expression, um, and you're not, you know, you can't be thrown in jail. All, you know, all that good stuff. Yeah, and um, a lot of this is very much a <clears throat> a Western world phenomenon, particularly among the British and the Americans, where you're showing negative feelings is like a sign of weakness. Like you're not supposed to do that. And it's seen as like a it's sort of a very Protestant idea of if you're unhappy, that's your fault. And you've done something that you're not working hard enough. Uh, you know, there, there's just something wrong with you if you're feeling depressed or you're feeling anxious or which everybody does. And the way you deal with that is to express it, to acknowledge it and try to deal with it. Um, and then, you know, pe- people, when they're not feeling happy all the time, they rush to therapy, they rush to, uh, you know, these antidepressants. I'm not saying those things don't have their place. I mean, some people have clinical depression, they have reasons to go see therapists and all of that. But it's, it's like the opioid thing. Like, I remember this um, surgeon was talking about this on NPR, and he was like, you need to experience a certain amount of discomfort after surgery. Like, you're going to have some pain. Take Advil, Tylenol, but this rush to avoid all physical discomfort, he's like, that's not the way it's supposed to be. And Yeah, yeah, it's your, yeah, it's a natural flow of things. I mean, I just had surgery, right? I, so I had surgery on my right knee. I had ACL reconstruction and a meniscus repair. So... Post surgery, they give they gave me a nerve blocker in my leg, so I'm in the the surgical, you know, the post op room, and they wheel this girl in. She's probably like late teens, had the same surgery that I had, and was screaming in pain, like breathing in pain. And Jeannie was there. I was the nurse. She's a she's a surgical nurse. And I'm like, what is what's going on? And she just looks at me and she goes, drama. She's like, she is in zero. She's like, are you in pain? And I'm like, no. I was like, in fact, you take a sledgehammer to my leg, and I couldn't feel because you have a nerve blocker. You have a, a yeah. medicine that literally blocks the pain. Now, when that wears off, that's uh, that's fun times. But prior to that, it's just. You know, you, yeah. you can't feel anything. And it's good. You know, it's like, it's good to feel pain. Like your body is healing itself. And, or you know, okay, maybe I'm not going to, I don't want to do that. I shouldn't do that again. But it, I read, um, I just recently read an article. I don't know if it was in Time Magazine that it was a big, huge study that was done that exercise as little as 15 minutes, three times a week, and this was like walking, running, you know, cardio, all that stuff. Just exercise in general, swimming, um, was shown to alleviate depression, even with people who were medicated, like so serious cases of depression. Fifteen minutes, three times a week. Yeah, yeah. No, but it's but a great people release. would rather take a pill than yeah. take a walk. I don't know. We seem to be in very uh, <laughs> sort of uh, chaotic times with all the diet pills or diet plans. Diet pills have become kind of passe. People don't like that. But 
diet plans, the pre-planned meals, people going to the gym, all the all-you-can-eat stuff, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, buying more stuff, more rates of depression. We're like, oh my God, what is going on around? Like, I just can't seem to get a handle on it. You know, it's like, I don't know. People seem to want to latch on to the the newest thing. And that that's what, I mean, happiness books and all that, they sell off the charts. Oh, they're like hotcakes. YouTube videos. Now, let me say, our book... Harden the paint, and I've kind of had to you know, get off that project a little bit. It is a good one. It was a great idea. Okay, you sh- just, you um, you've shelved it. I've you've sh- ha- you haven't it. quit the project. Back you've burner. shelved it. I've put it on the back burner. Back burner. Back burner. It's, it's a yellow light right now, as opposed to a green light. Okay, but this new idea. Here we go. Eunice, right? You being Lo- you. Love it. How Love about, it. How about this? The power of being you. Oh, that is fantastic right there. Isn't that a book? Like, isn't that already a book? you got to Google that. <laughs> I hope not. Because I'm going to sue that person for you, uh, intellectual Eunice. property. What do they call it? I don't know. I'm going to sue them for something. I know that. Eunice, the power of being you. But these books... I mean, along with all the other self-help books out there. Well, well, you know, it's not like it, we're not we're not saying that you shouldn't be happy or you shouldn't seek joy in your life. Absolutely. But you're also going to be sad sometimes. Yeah, just just gonna, accept yeah. the fact, and then also be you know this is going to sound crazy, but be grateful for the times when you are sad or you are hurt, because then the times when you are happy or or in good health you're going to feel that much better yeah i mean there's no reason not to travel i mean traveling is wonderful if i mean i see these people on instagram and it it annoys me on a few different levels like one is you're traveling but you're also trying to turn this into a business and it just always comes across like when someone's doing some pose of serenity in some mountain i'm like love it love it just to sell us t-shirt yeah Yeah. or to sell this like here i am in papua new guinea or when look i'm among the native people and i'm so serene like okay so did you have to put that on instagram like it's again it's like it's a consumer product and to me travel has always been a very like personal experience i'm there Breathing the same air as the people there, seeing new things. Like I don't. Oh God! I mean, God forbid that you would post anything of that nature on your social media. You're so antisocial. That was antisocial pre-social media. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Although I did post, um, I shared on Facebook an old Jerky Boys routine. <laughs> I've been spending some quality time. And this I love is just, it. A little QT. Oh, the beauty of YouTube. You can find the Jerky Boys. Every, yeah. Oh, Jerky Boys are great. And I still great. crack up laughing. I've heard these uh, so things. Do I. I remember, I distinctly remember in high school going to games. Like we'd be in the bus going to the game and playing. This was back in the day when it was on uh, tape. Is it What was it called? Cassette? Yeah. What were the little tapes? Tape? Cassette tapes. Yeah. It was on a cassette tape, and it would be like an hour on each side, and it would be the Jerky Boys, and we'd just be right. 
dying laughing. Oh, like God. literally splitting. There was one <laughs> there was one time where they did um uh, it was like their best of their prank calls, like their the best of the best. Yeah. And it was a two hour set. Matt, I thought I hurt something. I thought I split like my spleen or my I didn't know I was crying laughing. It was I know. so funny. And it was such a dumb idea. It was just prank calls. It was so dumb. And it, it was, was so, so dumb. And they had all these characters they did. Oh. And, and then they expanded the repertoire into they would place ads and have people call them. <laughs> and they answer in character. And it was just, it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. 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 But um, I digress, <laughs> as usual, into the jerky boy. I mean, if you want... Sometimes you do have to give yourself a good laugh. You just have to watch something that really it's good. Yes, it's good to laugh. Very good to laugh. And uh, it's it's cathartic, and it's like, okay, let's try not to take everything too, too seriously. I remember I saw... Uh, it was 60 Minutes London, and they had... Um, Ricky Gervais or 60 Minutes Britain whatever their version is and they had Ricky Gervais on and they were walking in the cemetery near his home and you know these graves gravestones have dates from the 1700s you know very very old and he had a great line he was looking at it he goes you know it just kind of reminds you that all of this means fuck all (laughs) (laughs) like Like seriously, like these people have been dead for hundreds of years. We're going to be yeah, dead. Nobody, nobody remembers them. No, I was. Th- I think about that sometimes. In a hundred years, which is in the in the span of time of human beings, never mind the Earth, but you know, six thousand years, seven thousand years, a hundred years is nothing. In a hundred years, less than that, but I'll just say a hundred. I'm forty six. I'm probably going to be alive for maybe another fifty years. If I'm lucky, that would put me at 96. If I'm lucky. 50 oh, years I'd, I'd, ha- I'd hate to know you at 96. 96. A grumpy, miserable old man. Senile, wearing diapers. <laughs> I can't wait for the diapers. Uh, so in 100 years, not only am I not going to be around, nobody who knows me will be around. Right. You know well, I mean? well, this podcast will certainly be around. Live and on. we will live in infinity. <laughs> But, you know, it's kind of put, like when you talk about happiness and things, uh, I've had classes read this poem, Thanatopsis, which is William Cullen Bryant's rumination on dying. And basically saying, like, it took me a while to figure this out, but everybody dies, so it's nothing to be afraid of. And, you know, people really fear death because they don't know what happens on the other side. Maybe you go to heaven, hell, maybe you don't know, maybe you're reincarnated, who the hell knows. But um, there's a certain amount of comfort in that. And also a certain amount of, like, stop making a big deal out of everything. Like, you know, eventually you're going to go, and your house is going to go, and your car or your, or your three cars or whatever is going to mean nothing. They're just going to rust and No, they're everything. everything's being buried with me, Matt. Yeah, I the know. The cars, like, like the houses, the jewels. Tomb. Yeah, the pyramids currently being built uh, <laughs> somewhere out in New Jersey. <laughs> the, uh, well, it's amazing when you look at these... Uh, these old um, uh, graveyards, you see these mausoleums built with these families all buried in them. And it's like, what is the point of this? Do, like, you, you know, my my family has a mausoleum. Do they really? And I'm, I'm not even joking. Yeah, they do. <laughs> the 
the my, my grandfather. Mausoleum. What's that? The Brancaccio Mausoleum. Yes. Is your family my, buried in there? Yes. Yeah, wow. Yeah. It's in uh, it's in Queens, and it's a. I mean, I think at the time, it was like a million dollars. Good. Like Lord. it was like ridiculously expensive, and it was purchased. I want to say in the fifties. Wow. Maybe or the late forties, and uh, there are. Did your family my, go you know, in on it? I mean, did they all go in? My gra- my grandfather bought it. Wow. And so my my grandmother, my grandfather, this is on my dad's side. They're buried there. My my father, my uncle, my aunt are buried there. And I think it has uh, sixteen spots. And I think like. Uh, seven are filled right now, or six. So you guys are all vying. For the exactly, we're, we're all keeping ourselves in good graces. And but no, then the plot around the mausoleum, like you can then stack up around it. You know, be buried in, in underground. I think is like another thirty-two spots. Good lord. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I it's guess... a, it's impressive. It's a pretty pretty decent size like you can walk into it oh i'm always impressed with the architecture i mean that that's what gets me it's like wow this is like a home that i mean yeah but it's it's silly it's silly because you're just like if if anyone's been around a dead body right so someone your loved one passes away you're at a hospital whatever and you you're at their body they've passed away you know that they were not their body right right they look dead like to me like i've seen it with my grandmother i've seen it with my, my grandfather um they have left their body yeah. the essence of who they were th- that's when you realize that you're not your body like they, they don't look literally like they're it, it doesn't look like they're asleep no, they're nope they're, gone. they're they're dead yeah they're the the person who I knew as my grandmother, my grandfather was gone. And it, and it always, it's always funny to me is like when you go to the, um, the funeral and they like, you know, dress up the corpse. Oh yeah. It's like, and it looks like, first of all, they're gone. It looks nothing like them. I mean, it's just like this terrible, like makeup job, but they've left They're They're gone. Well, I suppose you can't have the corpse there naked with everything hanging out. Oh, sure. Why? Why not? <laughs> my, uh, my, on my father's side of the family, this was some generations ago. They were having the wake, you know, big Irish wake, and uh, they realized they never had a picture of the deceased, so they got him up out of the coffin and just propped him up, and they all oh, stood around. Jesus! Took a picture. oh god that's pretty pretty that's morbid another guy also a member of my father's side of the family he he liked to drink or two so in a very traditional irish way they stuck a pint of whiskey in his coat pocket you know throughout the wake well they kind of were running low on booze so they decided to Grab, grab it back. Yeah, we're gonna we're classy. gonna need this. That is very. Cla- they probably filled it up with water and just stuck it back in. And we're like, ah, eh, you want another difference? I had a uh, one of my good friends growing up. His father uh, owned a funeral home, so it was was that term like a mortician? Is that right? Yeah, I, guess, I don't know. Yeah. But so it was in Queens, and in high school we would um, we would 
work the funerals and park the cars, valet park the cars. This, by the way, this is before we had licenses. Like yeah. we would park cars before we were able to drive. Anyway, so we're, we go there, we park the cars. It was like this big funeral. The funeral's over. We go downstairs to get paid and his dad would always pay us in cash. So we walk downstairs into like the, the, the bowels of the funeral home. We turn a corner and there's his dad with like, Gloves on and a naked body on a table that he was prepping. What is, I don't even know how, what the term is when they prep the body for yeah, display. It or something like that. Embalm it, that's right. They yeah. embalm the body. This woman, I still remember this to this day. I was like 16 years old or 15 years old. Naked as the day she was born, just like, but like her limbs were rigid. So he would like move an arm and it would stay there. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, it yeah. was, and it in the smell of it. Yeah. Oh my god! So he and to him, man, he was like eating a salami sandwich. <laughs> he did not. He's like, come here, boys, and he gave us each like a hundred bucks. And I was like, this was like traumatizing to me. And he's like, all right, thanks a lot. He's like, I'll let you know when the next one is. Yeah, I, I guess if you're a surgeon or something, I don't know. He just sort of some people are their brain is geared that way. It doesn't bother them. I don't. I. I probably would not want to be around dead bodies that much i would start to get a little spooky by it you know i don't know um but to get back to our happiness thing uh aside from the the total bs of it there's a real uh there's a danger to it if you will it says um about like downplaying negative emotions in favor of putting forth the happiest face and you know people and i do this too usually when somebody asks how are you just say oh, i'm good you know like I don't, i'm not gonna get into whatever's going on oh i love to air the dirty laundry yeah you just corner somebody oh, and i just go right into it well the worst thing that's happened well griping <laughs> it's a good it's a good thing you asked well uh the it points out there's a um guy who wrote a book named brock bastion talks about the other side of happiness Embracing a more fearless approach to living. Um, and it points out that a person living in a Western culture is about four to ten times more likely to develop clinical depression or anxiety than a person living in an Eastern culture. Because they just, like, we have a hard time embracing the idea that, yes, there are negative emotions. There are many emotions. Sometimes happiness can be, I'm content. Or like the people in Paradise, California, their whole town burned. And some, I remember last year for Thanksgiving, somebody had set up a makeshift kitchen and this guy was like, I'm so grateful someone did this. I get to have a Thanksgiving meal. And he was like living in his truck because his house burned down. And he was like, wow, I'm really, you know, a lot of people were there. Very difficult circumstances. But something like that, like when your whole house is gone, it's like, geez, I'm glad I'm alive. Like, I'm glad I got out right. of there. Well, well, then, I mean, that's a horrible thing for it to happen. But then you realize like, Geez, you know, I was I was sitting pretty, you yeah. know, when I had a house. Now it's all gone. Well, and again, we kind of get used to things that, you know, we buy and whatever. And I mean, there's a certain amount of happiness and, and, you know, buying something that you like, something that's useful to you or, you know, watching a movie you enjoy, things like that. Or taking a trip, like going to New Zealand or, but it's like you, you can't, I think the point is like you can't count on that 
for like everlasting happiness and you can't keep trying to hop from like a trip to New Zealand posting all these social media pictures trip to Papua New Guinea posting all these social you know like that just isn't going to cut it like you gotta yeah I mean it, it, it whether you peg your happiness on a uh, an experience like a traveling or an object or even a person like if some and it's fine for someone to make you happy. I mean, you want to be in a happy relationship. You want to friends and family to make you happy. But if you depend on that person's happiness, oh god. Well, it's then a, it's de- then it's dependency. Well, yeah, and then you leave yourself open to manipulation, which is exactly what this guy working in, which which is what the advertising industry does. They manipulate. Which is what I which is what I look for. Those are my situations That's where right. Johnny wiggles in like a parasite. Right, exactly, and tries to to uh, tell people this next new product I'm pushing on you. <laughs> this is the one, baby. This is it. You hear. You always when I when I'm walking, you always hear the pills shaking. Well, and it's like these, like you know, uh, weighted blankets and uh, all all this stuff. That <laughs> we they really sell. should have a the working experience weighted blanket. <laughs> I'm serious. We should have one because, look, everyone's everyone's like miserable getting up and you know at night to go. I mean, in the morning to go to work, but we we tuck you in at night. And you get a good night's sleep with the working experience, and then you're off to the races for your job. You know what I would love? That would make me very happy is if something were invented so I didn't have to get out of bed to take a whiz. That that would be wonderful for me. You know? Hmm, that's a good... You know, I actually... Uh, this is a, it was a couple of years ago. I had... Um, I was thinking about a device that would do just that that would like (laughs) you know like because there's like a when you go to the hospital you get like a catheter you know so that that handles that but like but here's where things get tricky right so if you're a guy if you're a male right it's the contraption i think is relatively easy right yeah because you could just imagine it you put you put so something, some sort of cup over your penis, or I think you insert like your condom, penis. It's like a condom sort of thing that you wear. Yeah, yeah, right. And then it then it goes into a bottle. And then right. you discard the bottle, whatever. Right. Now for our for our female friends, it gets a little tricky. Yeah, right. I don't, I don't really know what to do for that that operation. <laughs> I really don't know. I'm at a loss. Sorry, ladies. Well, no, it's not, I mean it's not an operation, but the device wouldn't work for a female. Yeah, no, not not the one that would work for a man. No, I'd have to right. leave. It and you to don't want to like, you don't want to have to like insert anything. I'd right? have to leave it to so, a woman to develop that device. I mean, I, I don't, I have no idea. Well, I mean, you could you could create like a little kind of like cup that would like somehow like suction over. <laughs> See, I was more thinking for a guy. A, a strategically placed hole in the mattress with some sort of container. Ooh, jeez! <laughs> and I would just roll over. Now you're now you're going old <laughs> school. Pee into that, and I don't want to have to wear uh, anything. I don't want to. Well, Jesus, you're now you're really talking about. Uh, <laughs> you know the hygiene of that bed is going to get real murky. And there could be a spill. <laughs> it could happen. There could be a there could be a spill. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, I hope this podcast has made you very happy. And if this podcast hasn't made you very happy, 
or even if it has, your happiness is going to fade. And the cure for that, listen to another podcast. See? There you go. Yeah, we have... Uh, done and done. Almost 270 podcasts Holy for your Jesus. listening pleasure. So you can jump into any one of those bad boys and just take a journey with Maddie and myself down uh, a wormhole, really. Yeah. Oh, and check out... Uh, Matt's got a series of uh, guided meditations from the Work and Experience yeah. Survival Series, which yep. are just... I mean, I... I just went into a deep meditation on the last one about uh, Matt, um, his enlightenment about filling your tummy. Yeah. Which was, I mean, just, a, I want to say it was Buddha-esque. Hey, happiness doesn't have to extend much beyond a delicious breakfast sandwich, right? Keep it simple. A donut? Yeah. Keep a, it a simple. A cookie? Exactly. That's that's happiness right there, my friends. It is. It is. Going into the Dunkin' Donuts, ordering the food, eating it at my desk. There you go. It's your it's your reward. Like that's what that's people right. like, oh don't all this diet crap, like don't make food your reward. Are like you kidding what, me? <laughs> what? what are you kidding me? That's what, what it is. What do you just, Yeah, what do you want to stop living? Yeah. It's a reward. That's what I right. Mean, a yeah. cookie is a reward. Absolutely, I learned that when I was a kid, and the same hold true. There's there's today. nothing. There's zero nutritional value in a cookie or a cupcake. No, but there's it makes emotional. you feel good. There's emotional nutrition. Big time emotional. I think we big ah, time. That's another good phrase right there. Emotional nutrition. Nutrition. What do you think about that? I'll write that one down. Emotional nutrition. Emotional I like that. Nutrition. Okay, it's not just about the physical nutrition. It's about the emo oh, that's a good guided meditation right there. Emotional nutrition. Yeah, okay. I like that. That's a good shirt too. Emotional nutrition. That's a good working experience T-shirt. The Working Experience Podcast providing emotional nutrition. <laughs> there we go. Huh? What do you think? That's the new one. I like it. Yeah, I, that's the new one. I, I like ordered it. four shirts. They're going to be wonderful Christmas gifts for my family. I encourage all of you to purchase shirts. They're just a wonderful. Can you please? Stuffer. Can you please film them opening that present? Because <laughs> I want to see your brother opening fusion. And, you, and you, did you get one for your nephew? Uh, I got one. I got four shirts. So one's for my mother, which she's just going to adore. Brother, oh, she's going to love it. Sister-in-law. And then I have a fourth one, which will probably be for me. I should get one for my nephew. I will. should get one for your nephew because that, that's going to be a priceless. Good old Uncle Maddie. What well, Uncle Maddie got him. He's three years His Christmas old. list be damned. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening. And uh, like us on... Uh, all your social media platforms. Listen to us on iTunes, Spotify. Listen to it in the car. My friend Justin uh, lives in Bend, Oregon. He's been driving back and forth between there and Breckenridge. And he called me the other day, and he listens to the podcast quite a bit. He said it's like having Maddie K right in the passenger seat with you. Who wouldn't want that? Just like a, a warm, emotional hug. That's right. An, an embrace. An That's audio right. embrace. That's right. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening. All right, thanks everyone. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode of The Working Experience. We'd like to thank our sponsors, One Circle Media and the Still Believe app, the only app that delivers video proof of the Tooth Fairy and Santa by simply taking a picture. 
Download the app at stillbelieve.co today and amaze your kids. And if you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain your audience, reach out to me at john at onecirclemedia.com. I would love to hear from you. And that's it. The end. The sweet end. Until our next audio encounter.